another edition of the Forkstown Podcast. Your one-stop shop for anything and everything surrounding the Seattle Mariners baseball team. My name is Rick Clark, and with me, as always, the Stan Marsh of Seattle, Washington, Mr. Bo Chisholm. Bo, how are you doing today? I'm doing, uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um... I wasn't expecting that one. That was a good one. That was a, that was a shocker. So I, good. You know, maybe we can say you're the Randy Marsh. Of I, I, I would prefer to be more of a Randy Marsh. Like, uh, well, does that make Xander stand then? Probably. Like, probably. You, know, you know that, you know that, you know that one where they're in like Colorado, like South Park goes to like the, the baseball finals, right? Oh yeah, I absolutely. Like I didn't um, hear no bell, right? Like yep, yep, I'm, I'm yep. probably more Randy than. Okay. Randy well, you need now, to recut so. it then. Hold on. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, what's going on what's going on uh, nothing much it's it's uh another day here in beautiful seattle washington we're doing a a back-to-back episode today um shooting wise because i'm still here um the weather's still 40 degrees it still feels like summer to me so same yeah. as it was two hours ago same yeah about same as it was so yeah but before we get into it, again, thank you for coming back and listening to the Forks Down podcast. All our returning listeners, welcome back. All our new listeners, welcome. Make sure you drink the Kool-Aid. So, um, if you haven't already, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. Just go search us up, Forks Down Podcast. You'll find us, um, like, um, and, and definitely come and have some conversation with us. Um, you'll find out when new episodes drop. Um, if you also hit like or subscribe on your podcast listening app, um, you know, you'll get noti- notified about new episodes dropping. Um, if you can, you know, it's not for our ego, rate us five stars. It'll help us get more visibility. You know, that's what we want. We are pretty excited by the numbers we see every week. Um, you know, listen wise, uh, we, we steadily have increased in listeners. So, Thank you, you know, as you come and join and and listen with us. But definitely hit uh, five stars for us. You know, you can even leave us something funny in the reviews. I love reading them, Um, you know, and but help us get a little bit more visibility. So, well, Bo, it's it's been two hours since we did the last episode. So there really hasn't been any transactions and note um, in the MLB or the Mariners broadcast. Um, Mariner's side of it. There is one transaction we did miss the last episode. Mm-hmm. Andrew Chafin going to the Diamondbacks. I wanted him because he's a lefty pitcher. And now we're stuck with guys like Taylor Sacedo and Easton McGee and stuff like that. Um, I thought it was actually a pretty good deal that he got from, from the Diamondbacks. Certainly one we probably could have threw at him as the Mariners. Yeah, one six point six and a quarter million dollars. Um, pretty good little deal for for Andrew Chafin, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of coming up maybe on the end of his career, maybe mm-hmm. potentially. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like the Mariners could have swung that. I feel like the Mariners could swing more than the Mariners swing. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, it's a uh, it's a good little deal for Chafin. I would expect. That. I think Matt Moore's still on out there somewhere. I think Matt Moore might get something. Maybe get Matt Moore will get a little bit less, but um, just another of the lefty relievers that you're searching for, oh, hunting for, and hoping for this year. Absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean the Mariners probably could have done it. I just don't know if um, 
I don't know. I, I, I wonder how Jerry and team project relievers in some way, because it just seems like they've kind of moved away from wanting to sign anybody on the relief side. I guess that's what I'm thinking. They, anyone, they, did pick up, they did pick up Trevor Gott, but like... I don't anyone of note. I mean, Fair. go go yeah. look at how many players we signed, really realize. Go back and listen to the episode we just shot, you know, for this last week. Like, um, you know, we signed 12, 13 relievers, but, I mean, they're all kind of reclamation projects at this point. Yeah. You know, that, or at least that's how they feel, you know. I can't knock it because that's how we found Paul Seawald. Um, that's how we got Eric Swanson to kind of get as much value as he did so we could trade him for Tay Oscar, you know, so, um, I guess when we get into the, like, the millions of dollars for relievers, oh, yeah. that's probably where I think we get, where we kind of disconnect from the whole reliever report. I mean, no. we've talked about Edwin Diaz got Buku's bucks, right? For I, Edwin, like, it's crazy how much money Edwin Diaz got. I can't wait for that to implode in the Mets face. I really can't. Yeah. That was... A ridiculous amount of money. He might be the best reliever now, with how volatile relievers are. Like, yeah, it's certainly not going to be the best reliever in five years. So, yeah. yeah. Anyways, uh, this week is um, round two of spring training preview. Last week we did the pitchers. So, if you want to talk, hear us talk about you know the starting five, or you know we were just kind of touching on the relievers. We kind of do a little bit more of a deep dive going into spring training. Go listen to last week's episode. This week, we're talking about position players. Um, I feel, you know, last week I, I mentioned this. We're very, uh, very much almost set in stone on the pitching side. One for one through four is locked up. You know, we're the storyline there is who's going to be our fifth starter. Um, we're leaving the relief pitchers. We've got like five or six, six set in stone. So the storyline there is, um, you know, who's going to take those last two, three spots. But uh, when it comes to the position players, I feel like we have a, uh, a lot of storylines going on because we've got some big expectations this season. You know, we, we made the playoffs last season. We want to expand upon that. And I, I feel like a lot of our questions for this season revolve around offensively you know, what are we going to do with this team? Yeah. And, um, I think to pinpoint it, um, I think the, I think to pinpoint what we're going to do offensively and like to pinpoint it, I would say like the left field situation and Ooh. what that's going to look like, um, and how, how they move guys in and out in spring training, who's getting at bats in spring training on the mm-hmm. left, especially on the outfield side will be somewhat interesting i think that's i feel like that's the big question you could really kind of go down the rest of the the batting order and the rest of the lineup and you could kind of fill in guys that you're pretty confident are going to be there mm-hmm. left field backup outfield that's kind of the spaces that i think we we might have some you know some questions that we still have about it i think in addition to that um the other things that i'm looking forward to and get your thoughts on are like we have had a couple guys that um we had Cal Raleigh's coming back from an end of the season injury, right after he kind yep. of ended the season. Um, Dylan Moore had uh, had an injury in early December. He said a bit of a setback. Sam Haggerty, we saw him out at the end of the season last year. So yeah, like we I, were there for that game. Yeah, we were, yeah, we were, we were yeah. there. So like I am curious to see how 
see how guys are looking on the offensive side, see if they're all looking healthy from, you know, kind of these injuries that they're coming back from. So that's kind of some other points I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you, what do you think is our biggest storyline offensively going, going into the season? Is it that left field battle, you know, or I wouldn't say, I wouldn't call it a battle, but who's going to get the playing time out there? Are we going to split it? You know, we've, we've still got Kelnick. Um, we've got Taylor Trammell. We got Cade Marlowe. Um, we've got AJ Pollock. You know, we've got Teoscar. We don't know if he's going to stick and ride or, you know, the, the only outfield position I feel like we got set is Julio right now. Everything else is up for grabs in those two corner spots. Yeah, I would, I would say, I would say it's, I mean, I have, I have who I think is the biggest question, biggest storyline going into spring training. Um, we'll mention that in a second, but like, I think Teoscar has, I think Teoscar probably has the right, right field position. I think he, I think he's, I think he's going to have that. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh. You know, I think I think the biggest storyline or the thing to follow is, um, you know, we can open the box here. You've already said it is just what kind of Jared Kalenic are we going to get? Are we going to mm-hmm. get a Jared Kalenic that looks comfortable at the plate, that looks relaxed at the plate, that looks like he's going to, you know, maybe be a maybe be full time player or not, right? And yeah. we've obviously talked ad nauseum about Jared Kalenic. There's been articles written about Jared Kalenic. There's mm-hmm. been tweets about Jared Kalenic. God knows what else is out there about Jared Kalenic at this point, but. Um, I feel like he's the guy that you've got to watch the most to see what kind of Jared Kalenic you're going to get this spring training. Mm-hmm. And um, it's super tough because, uh, I mean, how many times have we seen guys done really well in spring training and then just never really panned out? Um, but I, I guess on that note, we saw Julio had a really good spring training last year and mm-hmm. um, ended up kind of coming out. But Jared Kalenic and probably Taylor, Tr- Taylor Trammell, right, are the are the two things that I'm I'm watching for. I'm going to watch for the most, I think, on mm-hmm. the offensive side. What about you? I, it's probably the same for me. Um, I I would hope Tay Oscar's got that right field side. Um, you know, if not, we got we got AJ Pollock there to kind of um, you know spell him or or take over. Um, I'm seeing a lot of hope. People are having a lot of hope for, for Kelnick this, uh, this spring training and this, this season as a whole, um, you know, we can only hope that he kind of settles down, reels it back in and, and can be productive member of this team. Um, I don't, I don't know what else they're going to do with him and, and T tram, uh, kind of don't make the team or they, they don't have a big good spring training. I mean, does that open the way for a guy like Cade Marlowe? It, it could possibly happen. Um, Cade Marlowe, to me, kind of seems like he's just a quad A player, mm-hmm. you know, just on paper. Um, but th- that's kind of the one I'm interested to see the most, um, you know, as spring training shakes out because they're going to give everyone a fair shake. But you know it's gonna it's gonna come down to who's gonna perform. You know you want to take the best twenty six players into the season. Yeah, I would say yeah. I think you've I think you've pinpointed it. I think to add on to to, to Tremel and Kalenic is Cade Marlowe and what Cade, Mar- Cade Marlowe can be. And um, you know if either of those guys um, struggle, um, can Cade Marlowe kind of fill that hole? I think that that's a good little storyline if he can. 
break camp with the team if he can break in. Um, but uh, he'll be somebody I think certainly starts at Tacoma. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I'm trying to remember, you know, in the past if we've had obviously Julio broke the team, but um, I think we typically don't have guys break with the teams, right? Especially on the offensive side. So I don't know. I think Cade Marlowe would really have to impress, I think, to do it. But um, yeah, if either Tramel or Kalenic struggle in spring training, um, you know, I think you might have questions going into that as if they're the really good the guys who should be a good platoon partner with AJ Pollock. So, mm-hmm. um, I still think they're going to give Kalenic the job, even you know, depending on how even how his spring training goes or doesn't go, it have to be catastrophic for him, I think, to not give it to him. But um, I think we still need to be watching closely. I think we've seen like we've gotten three different versions of Jared Kalenic with his. I don't know, three different batting stances, his hands back, I don't know, and different batting stances and just entirely. And it'll be it'll be super interesting to see just what kind of what kind of twenty twenty three version of JK we're gonna get. Yeah. Yeah. I brought up Cade Marlowe, and I, I think it's gonna be an interesting spring training for him too. Um you know, as we explained last week, there was nine Mariners that made the World Baseball Classic. Two of which are Tay Oscar and Julio, you know. Um I think Part of this spring training is going to give, we're going to see a, a pretty long look at guys like Cade Marlowe, you know, um, guys that are trying to fight for a roster spot. Um, maybe he doesn't win left field, but maybe he shows, hey, I'm a valuable piece that can come in and spell Julio or spell Tay Oscar. You know, it, it could certainly turn out where he ends up making the team, not necessarily because he's going to play left field, but he could be you know, a, a fifth outfielder. Now, obviously he's got a lot, a lot against him at that point. You got AJ Pollock on the roster and they're paying him. What was it? $8 million. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you would assume that he's probably the fourth outfielder or the DH. Um, and, and I mean, we have a lot of stock in Kelnick and, and T-Tram, you know, like, like I feel like Kalenic obviously is probably on his last, his last leg, like he's got to show something. T-Tram maybe has a little bit more of a leash, not quite much, but um, I think we're going to get a long look at Kid Marlowe, not just in left field. I think we could see him probably in center and right just to see how he, uh, you know, he plays out there. He's going to get a fair shake. I so. th- Yeah, I think he's going to get a fair shake, and um, I'd argue I'd like to see Kid Marlowe just because of some fresh – some fresh blood out there, I guess. Right. That's kind of where I'm leaning a little bit. It's just mm. that, uh, and you sure would maybe do the Tramel or Kalenic have been working on some things in the off season. We're going to see different versions of them, but, um, kind of feel like we, we kind of know what we're going to get with them at this point. And I would like to see maybe something different out there. Try something, try something new. Right. I think we're, we're searching for another, we're, we are hunting for some other impact somewhere. And you know what, maybe Kate Marlowe is not going to be an impact overall impact player, but um, I don't know. We need something else. Like I think can move the needle and I don't know if Jared Kalenic or Trimble are going to be those guys. So speak, speaking of guys that could potentially move the needle. Um, very, very interested to see what happens with a guy like Evan White. Mm-hmm. Um it recently came out, I think it was in Seattle Times, probably Divish came out and said, um, you know, did an interview with him. Evan White said it's, he's the healthiest he's ever felt, you know. And he's had kind of a tumultuous couple of years. He's a gold glove winner. 
you know, it was a shortened season, but he's a gold glove winner at first base. And, uh, you know, he, he didn't really produce with the stick and then kind of got hurt last season. We didn't see him at all last season. Um, but this season he's coming back um, kind of with the chip on his shoulder. And that's another storyline that's kind of intriguing because we don't know where he necessarily fits on this roster. You know, we got Ty France at first. You know, I mean, Ty France can play a bunch of different positions, but he, he's been predominantly our first baseman, um, you know. But if if Evan White's going to come up and play, you would feel like you want gold glove first baseman at first, right? I mean, it, I mean, even in your notes, you, you, you put, is Evan White still alive, question mark? Like, he's yeah. still hanging in there, but I just, I don't know. It's it's going to be an intriguing spring for him because I want to see what's going to happen with him. Yeah, and uh, yeah, supposedly you know healthiest he's ever been, and um, I, I I want I want to believe the most in Evan White. I really do, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, you know, from the samples that we have of him on the hitting side of things, it's it looks rough, and I guess it's getting to a point now that he's going to be. Uh, He's going to be, I think he's coming into his age 27 season this year, mm-hmm. right? Um, and uh, yeah, you're talking about, I mean, I think his contract is, he, he, signed that, he signed that extension or what have you, right? So he's still going to be with us for, I think, a year or two, somewhere in there. Um, so we kind of got to see what I think we got out of him. But um, I, I think it also spoke volumes that we went out and got Tommy LaStella, because I think Tommy LaStella oh, yeah. is that. Uh, I think he's probably the first um, backup. I think at first base, if I'm kind of envisioning right now how it kind of mm-hmm. works, right? Um, so it kind of makes you wonder right there what the plans are. Maybe Tommy Lestella has a rough spring, and maybe he doesn't even make the team, right? We don't, we don't quite know. Yeah, I mean, it's um, not a big contract he's on. It, it's right. certainly plausible that Evan White could have a better spring, and guess what? Evan White gets to be that that person that spells uh, Ty France. You know, Tommy Lestella can play second and third too um you know so he's his value is a little bit more than evan white but you know who else can play second and third ty france france you know so on days that they need to you know take gino out france can slot over at third you put evan white at first i mean there's a lot they can do with it you know and and that's what makes spring so intriguing for guys like you know the guys that we signed like like Lestella and then kind of on the pitching side, we got a couple other guys, um, you know, that are trying to find their way to the roster. It's like, you know, they're going to have a chance to produce, but is it reasonable that they make the team? Like, is it a reasonable shot? They make the team. I don't know. You know, and I feel like Evan, Evan White's kind of one of those guys right now. We don't know if he can't produce with the stick, then what's the point of bringing him up? You know? Yeah, if, yeah, and um, and the the defense is there. That's that's what we know. The defense is there, but um, yeah, if you can't produce with the stick, and we you know miss out on Ty France, where mm-hmm. you know where uh, it's looking a little rough there in Seattle. I guess that's what I'm saying. Hopefully, that's not the case. But like, oh yeah, maybe Evan White figures it out. I don't know. I guess I'm looking at it as like a guy that's. 26 kind of maybe coming past his, you know, has statistically his age prime or his age, you know, his prime age for peaking. Right. Um, I, uh, yeah, I think this is Evan White's kind of last chance to show us what he's got, but, um, 
yeah, I don't know. I uh, I like Evan White, um, but uh, I'm uh, I'm a little bearish on if Evan White's going to be able to to make this team or not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one person that's also coming back from injury that we did not see last year is Tom Murphy. You know, um, last year it was kind of behind Cal Raleigh. It was kind of a mess catcher wise. You know, we we had Luis Torrens. He didn't really do anything. Kurt Casale, you know, we traded for him. Um, didn't do anything. So we finally have a second catcher, you know, who on many teams could be the first catcher. Tom Murphy is a very, very serviceable catcher and, and on any other team would, would probably be not any other team, but a lot of other teams, he would be the number one catcher on the roster right now. Um, but I pose this question to you when we went to dinner last night, when we were talking about this episode, um, and what is the team going to do? Because I feel like Cal Raleigh is a is a bat they need to have in the lineup a lot. You know, obviously he's a catcher. He's going to have his days off, and and obviously Tom's going to come in. But um, do you see Cal playing more games, or do you see him potentially going to DH while Tom comes in place so we can have his bat in the lineup still? Um, you know, and, and how's that work for Tom? Because Tom, you know, catches 90, 80, 90 games a season. He's going to be lucky to probably get 40 or 50 this season with, with Cal Raleigh, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I feel like that's a good problem to have, right? I, uh, Tom Murphy's a, um, very solid, uh, catcher. I think like you pointed out, could probably start for a number of teams, I think the big thing, essentially the way I think it's going to work out is that Tom is going to play against left-handers, right? So when left-handers, when they play, and they're going to try to figure out a way to platoon Cal Raleigh in some way to kind of get him more at-bats against right-handers, but also kind of DH him at certain places. So mm-hmm. um, I do see them I do see them putting Cal Raleigh there, so I do see some more opportunities for Tom to maybe play um, behind the plate a little bit, but... I think you're going to see Tom Murphy primarily when they put, when they play when they pitch against when they throw a left-hander against us, right? Like that's kind of where I'm seeing Tom Murphy come in the most, just because, mm-hmm. um, just because of the splits, right? I feel like they're playing the statistics there, and that's what kind of Tom Murphy hits the best is left-hander. So I mm-hmm. kind of feel like they're gonna they're gonna finagle it in a way that Cal Raleigh gets more time against right-handers. There's more right-handers you see in general, right? And then, you know, take your time and breaks against left-handers to kind of give Tom Murphy a spot there. But that's kind of the way I envision it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I kind of do like Tom Murphy. I guess, sorry, I do like Cal Raleigh a little bit more as like a pure catcher than Tom Murphy, but Mm -hmm. I don't feel really feel like we're losing a ton from from Cal Raleigh to to Tom Murphy. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I guess I guess I just kind of see him more as a true platoon, and maybe Tom Murphy would like to see more than that. But you know, this is a good baseball team, just that flat out, right? It's like you know, if you wanna if you wanna go be a starting catcher for the Pirates, that's great. But you know, we're on the we're a playoff contending team, so I kind of that's the way I feel about that. You know? I guess I guess the other question I have in that too um, <clears throat> is Cal's as I mean, he he caught for everyone last year. It seemed like um, we don't have Kurt Casale, so. Luis Castillo is, you know, um, probably going to be caught by both at some point. Um, but do you feel like a guy like, say, Logan Gilbert or George Kirby, who probably are used to getting caught by Cal Raleigh, they probably, they probably, I mean, 
most pitchers should be able to throw to any catcher. But, you know, there's always a time. You'll see it probably more so with, um, like, you Darvish, for example, where he kind of has, like, his personal catcher or the one he favors more than the other. You feel like a guy like Gilbert and Kirby, if they're on the mound that day, could kind of sway a decision. Oh, yeah, we're facing a lefty, but, you know, Cal catches him really well. He calls a good game when, you know, Logan's on the mound or Kirby's on the mound. Like, do you think that can influence decisions a little bit or what? I think that, I think probably, probably potentially. I think that there's definitely a little comfort that comes with a certain catcher. Um, But I think the Mariners have constructed the roster in a pretty good way because they have, um, because they have, I mean, if, I mean, you remember for a long time, roster resource was I, we, before we signed AJ Pollock really had Tom Murphy slotted as the DH role. Right. Yeah, yeah. So like, um, you know, if that's the case and they're facing a lefty, um, I think the simplest answer is just to put Tom Murphy in a DH and have AJ Pollock play left field and Jared Kalenic doesn't do well against left-handers. So mm-hmm. I think that they've constructed it in a way to kind of get, um, optimized results against their platoon partners, right. The platoon people they're platooning against. So like, I think it's been constructed in a good way. And um, I think Tom Murphy, I think there'll be ample opportunities for Tom Murphy to still get at bats, even if he's not catching. I guess, I guess one more question around this, just as I'm, I'm thinking, as you're talking, just tell us how much you love Tom Murphy. Right? Uh, just let it out right now. Right? Just, just let uh, it out. Well, I, I love Cal, Cal Raleigh, big dumper. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd rather go with, with big dumper, but okay. uh, <laughs> anyways, um, I'm, I'm looking at the 40 man roster. Um, one name that we haven't mentioned for actually either outfield or, or catcher battles is Cooper Hummel. What kind of what kind of shake could he get, you know, out of this deal? I feel like, um, you know, we we traded him for Kyle Lewis. Um, you know, I I feel like he should be a bigger deal, but he kind of feels like the odd man out right now. And and it, it sucks because he can play outfield. He can play catcher, which is really weird that the Diamondbacks had like three or four players that could do that, mm-hmm. you know, with, with Dal- Dalton Varsho and Cooper Hummel. But like, I don't know. I feel like we're not talking about him a lot. Nick. He could be like the surprise of the spring. Very well could be. I think you could have, we could have thrown him into the conversation. We were talking about Kaletic, Tramiel, and, uh, Kid Marlowe, we very well could have and should have thrown Cooper Hummel in that. So mm-hmm. um, I think when we got Cooper Hummel, um, I think he was going to be kind of this hybrid. We kind of thought maybe roll like a third catcher, et cetera, there. Yeah. Um, and um, I think it was kind of a little bit of a lottery pick for us in some ways, right? Um, I think it was best for Jer- Jer- Kyle Lewis to move on, and um, Cooper Hummel has some fairly good peripheral statistics, like control the zone, good walk guy, mm-hmm. uh, does strike out still quite a bit. So um, we'll see. I think the, the sky's the limit for him if he can get um, get going in spring training, right, to make this team. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just wondering, you know, if you if you bring on Cooper Hummel, who's the guy that you bump off there, right? Somebody's going to really gonna have to have, um, I don't know, an injury or somebody's going to have to have a really kind of short um, spring training um, mm-hmm. offensive-wise for Cooper Hummel, I think, to make the team. But – Listen, if he comes out and blasts it open, then I think he can make the team. Where he fits in the catcher role, I'm not quite sure. Tom Murphy's obviously battled with injuries, so I think that they just kind of wanted to build up a little depth with that. But um, 
Yeah. It doesn't ever hurt to have a third catcher, an emergency third catcher. You never know. Uh, I mean, it was a few years back, and it was kind of before Jerry and Scott's time, but uh, we carried Chris Jimenez. Mm -hmm. And we saw him a couple times come in, you know, injuries or, you know, even a doubleheader, you know, having a second or a third guy that can come and be like, well, we want to give him the day off and only him catch one game. I guess you're catching the second game, you know. Yeah, which we should see a lot less double headers this year, mm-hmm. you know, just because last year we, we started late with, uh, you know, the the lockout and stuff like that. So we had a few double headers last year. We shouldn't see as many this year, you know, hopefully none for the Mariners because double headers. They're atrocious. Yeah, but um, yeah, those are kind of the two battles, you know, outfield and and catcher i'm kind of interested to watch um what i guess offensively what else are we looking at as we head into spring training you know i, I feel like a couple of these positions are already locked we got Suarez as a third i don't think he's getting moved um i think they made it very resoundingly clear that uh jp is our shortstop you know um colton wong and, and today uh dylan moore should be battling not bad one, but uh, platooning second. Um, is there anything else we should be looking at while we, uh, you know, as we head into spring training with with uh, a roster full of intrigue, you know? Yeah, I'll be, uh, I mean, I think on the major league portions of that, I think we covered what I think the big parts are. I think um, I always like to see, I always like to see how the prospects are performing. So like before Harry Ford leaves for, uh, for WBC, I'll be interested mm-hmm. to see how Harry Ford does. Uh, be curious to see like if Cole Young gets any at bats, or um, you know what his kind of spring looks like. In addition to um, you know guys like Gabby Gonzalez, Michael Arroyo, and the one guy that I think the prospect side that um, I'm kind of interested in following is Tyler Locklear. That's the guy that uh, I think we got out of Virginia last year. Um, you know, had a really good kind of cup of tea, I think, to start his minor league season. So I'm really mm-hmm. curious to see what his spring will be. So I think that on the major league side, for the most part, we know what to expect, but um, I'm interested to see how some of these guys just kind of look in spring training, right? I wouldn't expect any of these guys to make any huge jumps, but um, you know, we could start to see maybe some other prospects that are beginning to climb up the ranks. Right. And we could see, maybe see start of some of that start maybe in spring training. So mm-hmm. that's kind of what I'm, what, I, what I'll be watching as well. Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> Hold on. Wheels are spinning here. <laughs> um, you said we've got nine games that they're showing on, on Root Sports. How many games this spring tra- or do we have during spring training? And how many can we expect, you know, the World Baseball Classic participants to be, uh, be uh, you know, participating in? That's a good question. So the WBC starts on March... 8th i believe i believe it starts on march 8th i feel like there's two groups that start before the other groups so i'm not quite sure what all the teams that are in um both the groups but i think that's like they probably get a week or so a week of a week or two of games i would think somewhere in there mm-hmm. um so there might be uh, we'll call it um maybe nine games eight nine games somewhere in there so um it'll be kind of brief um Mm -hmm. 
and then uh, I want to say the WBC wraps up on the 21st, so then I think they'll get a couple more games after that. So, um, and some of them obviously might be eliminated more earlier than others, so they could oh, be yeah. showing up. So, kind of all depends on how that goes. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll see how uh, we'll see how the WBC kind of goes and throws a little bit of a wrinkle in all this about. And I, I'm trying to remember from past years how different Mariners have performed. Obviously, we've talked about Drew Smiley, but um, I don't really remember like the WBC having a super big impact in the past or in one way or another. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and I, I kind of treat the WBC, unfortunately, a little bit like spring training. Guys are still kind of ramping up. I know it means more to the players, but like guys are kind of ramping up and they're kind of getting into full term position as well. So that's kind of a little bit of the way I look at it as well. Yeah. I wish the WBC wasn't before the start of the season. I don't know. Yeah, but I, where, I mean, do you, where, not, do you, where do you put it, though? I know. Yeah. You can't put it at the end of the season. Those guys, I think we'd have a lot less people going, oh, yeah, I'm going to do it, you yeah. know, if it's at the end of the season. Right. Um, but I just, I guess I'm happy with the only the nine guys going just because, um, I mean, Julio's going to have a spot in this team. Gino's going to have a spot in this team. Almost everyone that's going outside of maybe, like I said last week, maybe Diego Castillo um, should have a spot or, you know, they're in the minors where we don't have to um, worry about them. But, like, I kind of miss, like, or I'm kind of going to miss, like, getting a full feel for the team, you know, how they play as a team and and stuff like that. I'm kind of glad, like I said, Kyle Raleigh's not going kind of glad because i i feel like he's going to get a really good rapport with our catcher same with tom murphy you know you want to you want to start building that uh that relationship at the start of the season you know get to get to know each other um but uh yeah i i don't remember world baseball classic being too much of a hassle i i feel like felix pitched for what was it venezuela a couple years ago yeah i can't I can't remember. Yeah, my 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 Mariners history and WBC past is not very good. So, um, Ichiro was with Japan for a few of those years. Yep. Um, that's a tough one. Yeah, there's probably not much else. Uh, you know what? Mariners legend Watermere Ballantine. He's mm. still playing. Still playing Netherlands. Mm-hmm. I think this is a shot to show that. Uh, you know, he's really good in international play, just not in the MLB. Yeah. Still swings a, a nasty stick. You know, 190 batter, but 30 home runs. You know? The Joey Gallo effect. The yeah. Joey Gallo effect. But, yeah. Um, you know, I asked this last last time we were um, doing an episode last week. Um, is there one bold prediction you can make on this offense? Uh you know, as spring training starts and, and starts to wind down, is there one bold prediction you can make um, for this uh, for this squad this season? Hmm. Let me think. Um, let me think. So, if I go to the roster roster resource right now, and I'm looking at, I guess who's projected on there and who who isn't, right? Um, if I'm thinking about a bold prediction, um, 
you know what? I'll uh, I'll go I'll go there. I'll say I'll say Cooper Hummel makes the makes the team. I'll uh, I'll be Who's I'll... he bump? Taylor Trammell. Hey, he bumps. Do we uh, designate Taylor Trammell? Um, or does he have any options left? Let me look. I think I thought Trammell. Let me see. He has one option left. One option left. Yeah. Mm. So that's a good prediction. I'll uh. Yeah, I'll, that's where that's where I'll leave it. That's where I'll leave it right there. So, bold prediction. There you go. What about you? Anything? Anything? Uh, anything bold? Anything non-bold? Um, that's tough. I my bold. It's not even gonna really be a bold prediction. I think Tom Murphy plays more games at DH than he does at catcher. Hmm. I. I mean, he's going to play probably 40 games, but if he's great against left-handers, you know, he, he's we got to get him in there. But Cal's going to be Cal's going to be every reason to be the number 1 catcher, you know. I mean, he's ranking on some people's top 10 list right now. Yeah. You know, you got to put that production in there. You know, it's really a make or break year for him too because his rookie season, you know, he he did that became a very very solid catcher offensively and defensively so now we're in a you know we're in a situation can he repeat it you know was was he a one-hit wonder i hope he wasn't because he's my favorite current mariner so yeah that is it for spring training um you know um, well, yeah. did you have one, one other thing? What? Yeah. Why don't we, uh, why don't we have some fun here? So I guess, oh. uh, I guess I'll let spring training talk, but like, uh, I'll, uh, I'll show you, I'll see if I can make you mad or get super upset if people are talking about it. But, um, I feel like let's just have some fun here. So I feel like I've seen more Tatis talk than ever before and, um, right, wrong or indifferent. Um, I guess what I'm saying is like, I think Tatis is, uh, a pipe dream. I think that it's very far from happening. I feel people love to talk about it more than anything else, right? They love to they love to fantasy book it or believe that there's some potential that it could even happen. But um, I think it's fun to at least just have a conversation about it. Do you think that uh, we'll just put it on the whole entire 2023 here? Do you think it's even possible that um, Fernando Tatis could make his way to Seattle? No. No, no. You, you look. You look. You look. You look unhappy. Are you, do you think that's a dumb opinion? Uh, no, I don't think that's a dumb opinion. Um, I, you know what? I don't feel like that's a dumb question. I, if we don't have the prospects or the material to get Brian Reynolds, what makes people think we can get Tatis Junior. Tatis Junior. Okay, they said about Brian Reynolds. We want a Juan Soto-like haul for Brian Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Brian Reynolds is not going to get a Juan Soto-like haul. I'm sorry. You're not that good. You know, Pirates are overvaluing you. I'm sorry. Fernando Tatis, though? Absolutely. Absolutely could get a Juan Soto haul. Could probably get better than a Juan Soto haul. Mm. He's young. I mean, he is coming off his suspension, but I don't think that's going to affect him in any way. I don't think it's reasonable to say he, we've got a shot in Seattle. I don't. I don't think we do. I really don't. It's not a dumb question. It just again, it, there's a lot of people that are like, "Oh, 
Let's go get them. We don't have the capital. It it would take us a Julio-like player to get him, and it, we don't have any more Julio-like players in the minor leagues. Yeah, I think that's fair. And um, I guess where I would say is like, the only way I might give it legs is like if there are two general managers that could figure a deal out, it would be Jerry DePoto and AJ Preller, right? Like that's kind of the only two. That's... Like I'm thinking Jerry's been through this with Robinson Cano contracts. AJ Preller worked out the Juan Soto deal. Like I feel like if there were two general managers that could make it happen, it would be those two. Now, I think it's incredibly unlikely that it ever happens, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it's at least – it's at least fun to think about it, I guess. And what I would say is, like, if I'm talking, I could talk myself into this that Tatis has a big contract. The Mariners could eat a lot of con- all of that contract. They could, um, you know, Cole Young could have a breakout this year and really kind of go up the list quite a bit. And mm-hmm. a whole bunch of other players could break out, and maybe we end up getting enough prospects to make the package happen. So I could get myself there, but it takes a lot of. Uh, a lot of mental gymnastics to kind of make sure that I can get to that point. So, you know, my prediction last week was that one of my predictions was that uh, Emerson Hancock could be traded before the season, mm-hmm. you know, and we, we did mention last week, you know, on our pitching episode that um, we, we do need offense, you know, that we, we could use more, one more offensive bet. Now to Tatis would be like swinging, for the moon, not just for over the fence. That's that's swinging for the moon. But uh, who, I, I guess, who in your mind could we reasonably go trade for that would, you know, they would ask for, oh, let's go with an Emerson Hancock or a Taylor Dollard. So, I mean, so many, everybody's been moved so far and it's tough to see even how a deal would work out. But I kind of thought, I kind of thought uh, like a, like a Jorge Polanco or somebody like that from the twins mm-hmm. would, I thought that the Mariners would have been able to search out some sort of deal like that to kind of maybe bring somebody like that in, but we've already filled so many holes, right. That mm-hmm. um, it's difficult. And the, the, I would say the outfield market looks a little tough. It's like Brian Reynolds. And then I don't know where you really go after that. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So it's tough to see another deal coming together. I guess on that note, the twins do have a couple of uh, outfielders that are a little interesting, but like Max Kepler, but um, I don't really see another, it's hard for me to kind of foresee a deal at this point, just given how close we are, teams, rosters are coming together. um, And I feel like the mayors would have to really be in like emergency mode for them to try to go get somebody else. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Anyways. All right. I've got it now. You got okay, so you got a, tr- a trivia question. So this is a, this was a little difficult to kind of wrangle together, but um, so I, I I was able to find spring training statistics since two thousand six. Oh boy. Okay. Um, we'll try to make this pretty simple. Since two thousand six, and I've had to wrangle these numbers together. So you're you're willing to you're able to fact check me if you want, but I'm pretty sure this is accurate. Two thousand six. Who is the Mariners all time? home run spring training leader since 2006 Uh, cheese and rice man i can give you i can give you you know numbers yeah give me his numbers well it was 20 home runs he said he had 20 home runs since Uh, 2006 
Well, I mean, he couldn't have, you know, he, he might not have been on the team at 2006, but like between 2006 and 2022. So like, that's your window right there. Who has hit the most home runs? He maybe, he maybe wasn't on the roster all that whole entire time, but mm. uh, I'll give you number two is Raul Abanez. That is number three is a little surprising. Michael Morse is number three. Not surprising, actually. Okay. Well, number is, four, is, number is, four is Kyle Seeger. Is number one someone that I don't expect? Um, you know what? After I looked at this, I was like, "Oh, this makes a lot of sense." Because I remember this guy having big spring trainings. Yeah. Mm, can I have a position? That's gonna give it away. Uh, can I say he's no longer with the Mariners? That's. Can you give? Can you trim down the years? Because it sounds like he's not a twenty. He sounds like he's not been there the last five years. Am I correct in that statement? The last five years. Uh, I'll give you his Mariner window. How does that sound? You know, I like that. Yes, yes. Uh, two thousand thirteen to two thousand eighteen. He was with the organization a couple years before that, but he was oh on man, the major league roster between two thousand thirteen and two thousand eighteen. <laughs> Oh, shoot. I don't know. For, for some reason, Franklin Gutierrez popped in my head, but it's not Franklin. Franklin Gutierrez, Gutierrez is uh, fifth on this list behind fifth? behind Kyle Seeger. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um. give up can you just give me the position catcher i was figuring you were gonna say catcher i'm still drawing a blank on catcher i i do give up i'm gonna concede this one one mr mike zanino oh that makes sense god yep god dang it got him got him how many, how many you said it was 20 home runs uh yes 20 home runs yes and i, I was going back and like he had i think he had one spring training where i think he had seven home runs in one spring training like mike Zanino, hit mike Zanino did pretty well in arizona so maybe could maybe should maybe should maybe should have stayed there yeah you, you know what he can hit a lot of home runs yeah. can't hit the ball for average lots of strikeouts yeah but no. <laughs> that was a good that was a good one i i hope we have more spring training next time we we hop on a podcast. So, like I said, uh, we shot a double episode this week. Um, that is because Bo is out of office next week. Um, we won't go into details there, but um, so we will return in a couple weeks' time to do some uh, World Baseball Classic preview. That'll give us two weeks to kind of stack up um, some transactions. Um, we could see some. I mean, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility. We get through a week of spring training, and uh, some guys kind of, uh, you know, flame out or decide, yep, I'm not making the team. Let's go elsewhere. So, um, you know, we will return in a couple weeks' time, and uh, I have all the news and notes up to that point. So, uh you got anything else for us before we head out of here, Bill? Um, not that I can think of. No, no. Thanks for the talk. Yeah. You're, you're probably thinking of sunnier skies ahead. So. Sunnier skies, no work. And... 
looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. So for all our listeners in the Puget Sound Pacific Northwest and beyond, thank you for taking your time to listen to another episode of the Forkstown podcast for Bochism. I'm Rick Clark, and we'll see you guys next week.